that intro was very jumpy. So, <laughs> what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host Brian Horning here with Randy Bryan, Ryan O'Hara, Reginald, Andre, the usual suspects here to talk to you about stuff in the world of cybersecurity and how it's going to affect your life and business. That's how I'm going to break it down. Um, <clears throat> just remember to subscribe to whatever channel you're seeing this on, like our posts on social media. We have a YouTube channel that gets broadcast to, plus we're on every podcasting platform. So if you download us and listen to us on your Amazon Alexa, because that's actually the number one place where people listen to this show is from Amazon Alexa, believe it or not, Amazon Music. And I assume that will be people saying, Alexa, play Security Squad Podcast. <laughs> Oh, oh wait! Now she's gonna start playing. Hold on. Oh great! You just kicked my Alexa off, dude. Alexas all over the world are gonna go off. <laughs> I just had I just had to pull the plug. I have an Alexa, and it's over there, sealed in a box. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's where she's. Sorry, everyone. Stay. Sorry, everyone. So uh, I gotta mute. Hang on one second. Well, I can do the fee for the show while. Uh, we're getting the Alexa thing fixed. There you go. Um, our fee, the show is free. And it's not free as in it's not worth anything. It's free as in free beer. Somebody gets you a beer um, and you they pay for it, not you. That beer is free, but it still has value. And that's that's kind of how our show works. Um, it's, it's free. And all we ask in return is that you um, like, um, share, and subscribe. So whatever whatever format you're listening on, um, whether it was the one that that Brian mentioned just now that upset Amazon Music, Alexa, <laughs> Amazon Music, or Spotify, wherever it is, like, share, and subscribe. That's all we ask for the show. <laughs> I really <laughs> this is going to be an interesting show today. Mm-hmm. Unplug it. What all just right, happened? So- we're get, you said the word and my thing started. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I just unplugged mine. Yeah. So, thanks a lot, Randy. Well, off to a great start today. So, yeah, make sure you give us five stars. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, appreciate that, Randy. We do, at, you know, we do this for educational purposes. We know the world is behind on understanding where things are at. <clears throat> so every week we bring you the goods. We take current events, we break them down for you and break it down for you so you understand how these types of things can impact your life, whether you experience a cyber attack or you're scammed or your passwords are stolen, your social media account gets hacked. Um, You know, these are all things that we're going to have to deal with in the future. Um, This stuff isn't coming to an end. And, you know, we're probably at the very early stages of humanity understanding how you need to be responsible around this stuff. Um, And, you know, we're here to bring it to you and bring you as much as we can, uh, you know, on the podcast and on social media. So Uber learned a lesson this week, guys, and I think everybody pretty much knows about it at this point. Um, It's been all over the news. So we're going to jump right into right into that discussion. Um, Uber believes the hacker behind last week's breach is this, this lapsus group who we talked about on the show before, um, seems to be like a, a loosely 
connected group of individuals around the world um, who have made certain claims and have said they stand for certain things. Um, and But they are, quite frankly, very successful at getting inside of networks of very high-profile companies. Um, they've hit Microsoft, they've hit Cisco, NVIDIA, Samsung, and they were also the, the ones behind the Okta. Um, and they're using stolen credentials, which seems to be an earmarker for these guys, um, of an Uber external contractor in uh, an MFA fatigue attack, which we've talked about on the show. We'll let Randy let everyone know what that is here in a minute. And the contractor was flooded with two-factor authentication login requests until one of them was accepted. All you need to be is right only once when you're a cyber criminal. Me, on the other hand, I had to be right 99.9% .9 of the time. Um, so let's talk about it, guys. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on here. Stolen credentials. We don't know how they got those. But my guess is it's probably through a phishing email or social engineering tactic that got them to go to a website to put in the credentials and then the two-factor started happening after they put in the credentials um what are your thoughts on what's going on here a lot of usual suspects yep contractor mfa bombing you know stolen credentials it, it's you know we, we've told this story before you know and we have planned a little later on in our show to have a little discussion about some of this stuff um it really is making me wonder about the whole pop-up to approve form of MFA. Um, just because MFA fatigue, all that means is they sent it, 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 they sent it. And the guy basically was like, well, okay, and eventually said yes. And then boom, they got in. And once they got in, they just started moving around the network. Um, I'm actually a little, um, I'm a little, uh, I don't know the right word, um, but I'm, I'm very surprised um, that they were actually able to get into the open DNS and manipulate that some. They were into the company, which is uh, like where the websites go. It controls some of that stuff and where it will and won't go. And then also um, getting into their Slack, um, the company Slack uh, chat, and posting messages in there. Uh, pretty ingenious. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, pretty ingenious, pretty resourceful. You really got to be on your toes with this stuff. Are you suggesting that Uber did not do a good job of segmenting their, their users and their network? Man, um, I am. So or do you think this yes. contractor just had like God access to all this stuff? Am contractor I, am I saying saying that? No, but that's a good point. But am I saying that you got to be really careful with, you got to be careful with your employees. You got to be careful with, with third-party contractors, you don't just give everything to everybody. You got to decide what exactly they need, um, and then your your own company data needs to be divided up so it can match. You know your your passwords, your accounts, the way you store passwords, all that needs to be divided up, and then you just give people exactly what they need um, to do their job. That's basically zero trust. Even it, especially if you're the owner or in leadership, just because you're the owner doesn't mean you get access to everything. So how does that work for small companies? Who Like who would have access to everything then? Does there need to be somebody that has access to everything? So here's the problem I see. 
right? Number one, I'm writing stuff down so I don't forget. Um, number one, multi-factor authentication has given people a massive false sense of security. Um, there's just too many people that think MFA and slapping that on there is good enough for cybersecurity. Um, when that's not the case, I've talked about frameworks and layers of security on this show all the time. If you follow a framework, you're basically implementing layers of security because that's the whole purpose of a framework to make sure that you don't get hacked. And there's no framework that says just put MFA on everything and you're good to go. That's what your cyber insurance says right now. <laughs> but, you know, your cyber insurance is going to get really restrictive really quick uh, in the next probably next year, maybe two, as they start losing more and more money. And they're like, we need to do more controls to the extent of, I think most of the people here will agree, within two years, most businesses, if they want cyber insurance, are going to have to have a third-party risk assessment done by their insurance company. That's where this is going. Like, if you want cyber insurance, we're going to run a scan on your network, and we're going to see how risky you really are. And then we'll give you a quote based on what we find. I think even beyond that, I think, you know, if you're looking for a business loan, you know, you might run into that scenario down the road as well. Yeah, because nobody wants to invest in a business that two weeks later they get ransomware. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's a massive risk to a bank and rightfully so. The other problem I have is how do we unpack what were we? Is it fair to say we've been using computers in business for 25, 30 years? Yep. How do we unpack 25 and 30 years of conditioning that we've never had to do this stuff? Why do I need to, you know, tell you what employees need what permissions to what folders? Right. Like, you know, just put it in the business share and let everybody have access to it. That's what we've always done. And now you're trying to unpack that and rewind that and say, well, no, we really need to put the marketing stuff in the marketing folder and the operations stuff in the operations folder and not let the marketing team have access to the operations stuff. Because, you know, as we always say, Sally and marketing, you know, clicks on a phishing email and breaks, takes down the whole company. That's, that's what I'm seeing with Uber. Like I'm reading the article and it's like a contractor had an external contractor had all this ability to get to all these different things. <clears throat> one, I mean, with, it's, with it's, one multi-factor. It's nothing new. I mean, it, it's, it's a new, it's a new thing that we need you to do, but it's, it's not a new uh, concept. I mean, think, think about, you know, 25 years ago, you know, the average business computer, they, they weren't using a password to log into their computer. They were just, turning it on and getting ready to go. So things have changed and evolved over time. Yeah, that's it's the, the case with any technology. You know, it comes out and then, you know, things are, are, are put into place as, as it grows and becomes more of a target. So you know, these are just becoming more and more of a target. So would you, how would you, do you agree with this statement if I said that the, a lot of the reasons that we are where we are today with people doing more, like you said, at least using a password on their computer, um, is because of kind of Microsoft is because they've built things into the operating system where you have to do this. And I, I would, as much as it pains me to say this, I would say that Apple was ahead of the curve on Microsoft with this kind of stuff for a very long time. Um, I mean, and what I'm, what I'm getting to by saying that about Microsoft is 
are we really just at a place where somebody needs to make people do stuff to get so we get there? I think absolutely. I, I think I think traditionally it's been reactive. So you know the 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 big companies have had these things available but not implemented. You, you know it was it was kind of on you and MFA largely is still on uh, you know the average business to implement themselves. It's available as an option, but you can turn it on. But it's been reactive. You know, think about it. If if, if five years ago we could go back in time and and have you know these all of these applications that we use on a daily basis, you know have MFA be mandatory. Think about all the billions of dollars, probably trillions of dollars that these, these cyber groups wouldn't have right now, but we've been reactive and now they're way ahead of the game and they have more financing and R and D than, you know, most of the cybersecurity, the, the people who are paid to protect against it. So I think we do need to step it up and start putting requirements in place. Uh, the problem is, is there's too much money going the other way. You know, it's too much of an inconvenience. So they're spending money to try and fight these these regulations to to implement this stuff. And we're still going in the wrong direction. It's yeah. kind of like what banks have done. Like you can't get a bank app and not have to turn on some sort of MFA. I mean, they're going to make you do it. It's the first time that you log in. I mean, it, it ought to just be required, you know. Um, I think uh, Microsoft, Google, for sure, um, just do it. Just make mm -hmm. people do it. I mean, it's a pain in the butt because some people are reticent to change and some people don't like MFA and they don't like all these rules, but you got to just drag them kicking and screaming into 2022. They, they also know? don't like getting hacked. And then, then they're going to turn around and forget those conversations where they, they chose not to exactly. hack the stuff that we talked about. And then <clears> say, well, why didn't you protect it? I tried to. You know, we told you that these things were necessary today. And you, know, you decided that the, the inconvenience was more of a pain in the butt than the security of it. Yeah. And the inconvenience is the biggest part. Because look at, look at even Google. It's until the end of this year where they're going to force you to do 2FA. And um, another thing, too, is this MFA fatigue. I think that's something yeah. we really need to um, start talking to our customers about. Um, I would even say I've seen some other ones where they're going back to where you have to put in the number, where the number appears on your phone, and then you have to then match it on the computer. And then that way, you're not just keep on getting those alerts on the phone. So that may be something that uh, companies have to start switching back to. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, so the rest of the article kind of goes into the rest of the, the stuff, right, that we always talk about, like minimizing the, the attack, minimizing what could have been touched, minimizing the data that was that was uh, exfiltrated or seen by these guys. Um, you know, when this first happened on Friday, I was seeing a lot of things on social media about go in and remove your credit card numbers and change your password and reset your MFA. Um, and they're basically saying that none of that stuff was touched. Um, and then they You've go seen that story before too, though. Yeah. yeah and that's kind of where I'm going with this. And then they're saying, you know, kind of similar to the solar winds attack, right? You know, no, nobody touched our code base. So we haven't, you know, we're not, we're, we're pretty, we have no evidence that they've touched the code base. That's what they, they said that they locked down the code base to prevent any changes. Well, that was after the fact, but. Uh, yeah, well, it also says down near the end that they were able to get um, access to vulnerability reports from their bug reporting, uh, vulnerability reporting uh, mm. system. 
Mm -hmm. But they were able to get those. But they minimized that too. They said all those bug reports, they've already been remediated. So they minimized all this stuff that was kind of like a concern for a lot of people. (laughs) Um, I'm just here to tell you that in two or three months, their story will change because they do cybersecurity very poorly at Uber. And they don't have the telemetry to tell you this information right now. But they're going to get really smart guys and pay them a lot of money. And they're going to get the bad news in about two or three weeks that this was touched, that was touched, yada, yada, yada. And then right around Thanksgiving, probably the Friday Friday after Thanksgiving, on Black Friday, they'll update everybody and let everybody know. Oh, yeah, remember that hack we had back in September? Here's everything that was... uh, that was touched by the hackers. Um, and we'll all get upset about it and be tired of it by Sunday. And then the world will go back to normal. That's right. And Monday, everybody goes back to work. Maybe take an Uber. So I don't see anybody saying don't take Ubers. It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, keep going. So I then mean, you should probably change your password and delete your credit cards from the site. Uh, they didn't touch any of that stuff. Come on. Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> All right, so these these lapsus guys, you know, they, they, they're at it again. Um, I just mentioned that they're on a roll, and uh, they're on a roll still. They got this uh, Rockstar Games, who if you're a fan of uh, Grand Theft Auto, you might know who Rockstar is. Uh, they also make a bunch of other games. I think Grand Theft Auto is their, their big one, though. Um, here's that people, hackers, stole source code. Uh, from GTA 5 and 6. Supposedly uh, the same member of Lapsus. Nah, this guy's on fire. Yeah. He's either really good at sending phishing emails mm-hmm. or, like, like, I don't know what it is, but, yeah. yeah or, you know, people claim credit for stuff all the time, so that, you know, right. may or may not be the case, but. Right. I mean, it could be just, like, the manager at the big warehouse where all these hackers <laughs> are, are, are in. Um, lapsus middle management. So uh, there's there's videos on YouTube. There's uh, Twitter, and <clears throat> they're showing the game basically in MP4s of the game. We've talked about why hackers go after gaming companies before, right? Number one, these are very popular, right? And I've said multiple times on this channel that one day the hackers are going to set their sights on people's houses. And these are one of the things that are sitting in your house that they could potentially exploit. You know, I think about like, I don't think most people buy games on disc anymore. I think they just download the package and install it on the system and run it. Um, And I just think about all of that, like how that whole situation not being on disk and you know the install file being left on the device and you know just all of that just is going to make these devices very attractive for cyber criminals to try to figure out how to hack so they can get into people's networks um i just read about uh this reminds me of a, a a situation that i'm aware of where a company did get ransomware and the source of it was a personal computer in the home of a person who was dialing into the company's VPN. The hacker was able to 
move laterally and get to the work computer on that network. And then when that person connected to the VPN, they were able to then get into the network of the company, you know, and, and these things are, are problems that businesses that we've been warning businesses, they're going to have to deal with. And I don't think, I don't think most people are in tune to it. That's why I mention it. Like you have to start protecting or, or thinking about, you know, as, as we go on here more and more and hybrid working or work from home is not going away. Um, companies are having a massive challenge getting people to come back into the traditional work office. Um, these problems are, are going to be something that are going to be, we're going to hear more of. We're just going to hear more of, hey, this company got hacked because somebody's sitting at home connected to the VPN and the hackers were able to get in that way. Another aspect of this story, too, that's interesting that I think people don't think about. So so Rockstar in particular um, has a tendency to to really use like a hype type marketing strategy for their their properties. So, so GTA 6 hadn't even been officially announced. Uh, they, they had not even responded to inquiries about it being even in development. I mean, it was obvious to everybody, you know, with the success of the previous one that it was, it was you know, obviously they were going to make a new one. But this you know, the, the, the side effect of this is it impacts their marketing strategy. You know, uh, you know, was the code touched, you know, to your point, could somebody have injected something into the code? So when the game releases, you know, now all of a sudden it's using people's, you know, playstations or whatever to, 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 you know, search your network and do weird stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that that's now on their plate that they're going to have to spend a ton of money uh, to try and look for and make sure. Yeah. Or they find a vulnerability Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, exploit it on the fly while people are using it. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you ever look at like the fake iPhones in China and these third world countries, it could be the same thing where someone says, okay, based on the source code, I'm going to now make my own version of GTA and mm -hmm. you know, sell it in their country where there's no, nobody to stop them. Like super grand theft car or something. <laughs> same logo font and everything. So yeah. I want to so point cool. out, um, I want to take this opportunity to take this hack and talk about something that we also need to let people be aware of because it's kind of new. Um, and I would, I would look at all these, but you know, cyber attack on Uber, the threat actor also gained access to the company's Slack server and other internal services after performing a social engineering attack on an employee. Now, I want people to be aware that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting trained or you're aware of like phishing emails, text messages, text messages that come in, but are you, are you uh, being vigilant enough to realize that you could also get a message in your Slack, in your teams mm -hmm. um, that could be from somebody who is not. And, you know, they could take over one of your employees accounts Um at, or they could, you know, break into your teams and become part of it somehow, some way, either through an external sharing. There's a lot of different things that users can do and invite people into your ecosystem without much, you know, stopping them. And if you don't have a company watching that, monitoring that, understanding why these things are happening and questioning it, your employees aren't going to do it. So this brings in a whole new vulnerability into your business where your employees could be attacked through teams. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I just see so many companies adopting teams 
Um, and two things that people, I just want to tell people and we can, you guys can comment after I talk, but the teams, number one, could be a place where you have a malware or phishing link sent to you. Number two, back up your teams. Teams is not backed up by default and people are putting massive amounts of data in there, sharing things, sharing ideas, coming up with ideas, having meetings, talking about things. And that is not backed up by Microsoft. And I'm seeing a lot of companies losing data in teams for various reasons. So I just, while we're talking about teams and these channels, I want you to be aware that that's a problem. That's a, potential huge problem because you know you might not trust getting a phishing email from somebody on your team but wow who's going to suspect that that they're in the chat you know um, and you know we we make the comment pretty regularly um you know if they really learn good grammar and learn how to spell we're going to be in big trouble um we're there. The flip side of that is, are you, as a CEO or a worker, are you using good grammar and good spelling in your chat? Because if you're not, and one of those people got in, they'd have no problem impersonating you. I mean, that's not, but yeah, the flip side only, of that. But not but, only that, like nobody's expecting to get a malware link sent to them by another employee in, in Teams. So you're just not, because you're not being trained that it can happen. So you're just thinking like, hey, you know, Andre and I work together. We're on the same Teams channel. Hey, Brian, can you check this out? You know, maybe maybe he just reads a, reads right. the chat and figures out what you're working on. And boom, 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 send you a link, and it's, you know, it's malware. And think about the external because now we have companies, you know, company A and company B that want to collaborate, and they want to collaborate via Teams. We, we're seeing that a lot where we're having customers say. You know, we want to externally communicate with this other company, remove that feature that you're blocking it. So that's that's going to be another big thing. So moving right along, we got Revolt. Or Re, Re, is that, am I saying it right? Re, Revolut. Yeah, Revolut is a financial technology company. Um, and their incident occurred a week ago uh, on last Sunday. Um, and basically they... It gave unauthorized third-party access to personal information to tens of thousands of clients. So, number one, we're seeing cyber attacks tick up, like ones that we know about. And, and the time period is actually getting shorter, which I'm actually surprised about, like when we find out about it. Um, but according to the breach disclosure to the state data protection inspection, and I guess this is a company um, in Lithuania, and their, and their revolt has a at where Revolt has a banking license, 50,150 customers have been impacted. So um, email addresses, full names, postal addresses, phone numbers, limited payment card data, and account data. Um, so I'm not seeing ransomware here. I'm just seeing data exfiltration. Is that right? Yeah, and then turning around and using it in phishing campaigns. Right. And then, and then actually smishing campaigns, right? So they were able to take the data from this attack and then start messaging customers. What's a smishing campaign? It's, it's a, you know, it's a text message. Why are you, why are you pulling my leg? He's asking for the benefit yeah. of our listeners. <laughs> go, go, back, go back. What was it? Didn't we just cover this on like 
two or two podcasts ago, one or two podcasts ago, we talked about smishing in pretty good detail too. So go check it out. Um, yeah, so this is pretty wild. I mean, what I take from this is similar to the, what I take away from uh, what we saw um, with the attack when they were basically registering domains and then using them 40 minutes later. Um, so that circumvents like Cloudflare and, and all those people who think they can sanitize the internet by just policing, you know, what certain servers and pages do. But then when you set up something new and it has no reputation, that's how you get around those types of services. And it's kind of the same thing here, right? You know, you're getting in quick and you're turning around and you're doing something with that data very quickly. Um, as opposed to a ransomware attack where they kind of sit on the data hoping you'll pay them. Um, could be interesting to see if cyber attacks evolve into ransomware and then they start, hey, look, now we're sending your clients messages and here's the screenshots, right, to get people to try to pay quicker. You know, um, one interesting thing here is this 0.16% of its customers, not even 1% of its customers is 50,000. So right. we kind of joked about, you know, in this uh, November and Thanksgiving that they're going to give the real number. But this is a huge company that this number is going to like if only less than one percent is 50,000. It's going to be a, a big number there. Yep. So, I mean, I kind of I kind of just like want to go into our next topic where like these cyber attacks are going to get much worse. And that's kind of what I was alluding to by saying what I said, like, you know, the tactics that they're using today are not going to be the tax tactics that they're using tomorrow. When we're talking about ransomware attacks, they're not going to be doing what they're doing today. They're going to start doing things like, okay, we got this data. We know it's your customers. We got their phone numbers. Now we're going to start texting them and start like letting them know that you're, you're attacked and that their data is at risk. Um, to put pressure on you, because what's going to happen? Your customers are going to call. They're going to say, I got this text message. What the heck is going on? Right. And you're not going to be able to avoid those calls. You're, you know, um, and the bigger thing for me is, is like, I think the lawsuits that are coming against businesses, uh, it, this isn't going to be, a. I, I just think that like right now I would characterize things as, people bury it and they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of cyber attacks that don't get reported that they'll find, they'll find people to get them out of it and nothing will be ever said, right? They'll find IT people. They'll find incident responders who, you know, will not go report something like they should. Um, and I think that, that we're going to evolve very quickly here from that to companies getting sued left and right for data breaches. I, I think I think the lawyers in the world are looking at these things like opportunity and then the onslaught, in my opinion, the onslaught of lawsuits that are coming is going to put a lot of businesses out like a lot of businesses are going to go out for that reason alone. Um, and I don't see the ability for companies to invest in this increasing when we're facing a recession. And I, and I don't know if he goes in and talks about this. Uh, in the article as a recession as being a reason why he said that cyber attacks are going to get much worse. Um, I don't know, Randy, what are you, what are you seeing in this article? You were the one who brought it, right? 
Um, I think it was uh, I think it was Ryan, but what I'm I'm just seeing here that um, you Ryan? No, I think it was Andre. <laughs> Andre, all right. I didn't know who wrote they like the quote. So go ahead, Andre. What you you take it? Yeah, the biggest thing I got from this article is is basically where it was talking about it's not the hood guy, the guy in the hoodie. A lot of us use in our marketing maybe for who the cyber criminal is. It's not that single guy. These are nation states. These are, you know, as we talked in the in, in past episodes, this is a business. This is someone's livelihood of how they're going to try to think about how to hack into your system and get this information. So that was one of the, the big takeaways I got from this article. And, and they're also joining forces, too. So, you know, you've got several entities that have different pieces of the puzzle. They're combining forces to you know put out you know much more uh, massive attack. Yeah. And you've got a ton of them that are from Russia and or. Ukraine and and with the 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 current uh, geopolitics that are going on, I think some reins have been taken away. That there might have been some some of these organizations might have been told by say maybe the Russians to hold back a little bit. I don't think they're getting told that anymore. So he, no I'm just going to read his quote because he pretty much said what I said. But most companies are not prepared to handle attackers, and and things are going to likely get worse in terms of the complexity of the attacks. Also, no one knows if we are in a recession, but if we do go into recession, cyber is less likely to be affected. Meaning these guys aren't going to slow down because you're making less money. Right. And it's going to be harder for you to defend against these guys because, yeah, you know, all the things we talk about, technology debt, prices are going up. There's a massive shortage for cyber talent. I mean, and all, all of those years when you could have been investing in this that you've been sitting aside and saying it's not really happening, cyber, you're not going to have a choice and you don't have the money to, to invest in it anymore. I mean, quite frankly, if, like knowing what I know, the cyber criminals, if they know how bad it is on, on the defensive side and how, the posture of most businesses, they got to be looking at this as like they're a prized fighter going into a ring against you know a washed up old guy who just got his butt kicked an hour ago um that's like literally how easy it is for these guys to get into companies these days but everybody has everything covered everybody's got security yet we have no shortage of examples of cyber of cyber attacks and i guarantee you uber thought that they had things covered too um and they don't um, how, how easy it is you got you have potentially one guy who breached uber and rockstar in the same weekend <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You got like turns on his computer. You're like, uh, I'm just gonna breach these two guys this weekend. Like, it's almost a joke. Um, well, we, we used to make jokes about how it's not like TV, where you you know the hacker sits down and for 30 seconds, and then you know all of a sudden he's in the defense department. But you know, it almost looks like that's what's happening now. He says we're in the midst of a cyber warfare, which I completely agree with, where the attacker has changed. You know, he's always gonna change. He will always change. Um, he's no longer the lone wolf or semi-criminal. It's either organized crime that is well-funded, which I fully believe Lapsus is. Lapsus is not one guy. This is just an account that they use, you know, Teapot 2022 to, to you know, front their, their PR. I mean, that's really all it is. They are well-funded, organized guys, um, you know, not and very dangerous and very good at what they're doing, apparently. Um, or nation state attackers, which they exist, but I don't think that that's like lapsus using a tool to manipulate foreign affairs. 
Um, yeah, nation state actors do that and other things. And midst of changes such as working from home and IoT, we seem to be losing to the bad guys, which I talked about earlier. Um, they're just getting started with the home. Trust me. Um, and then he just says security needs to catch up as attacks in the cloud are super fast. Just last year, there were 40 new vulnerabilities announced. I'm not really sure what one has to do with the other in that statement, but. Um, and if you remember too, Lapsus is always trying to make it seem like Lapsus is a teenager. There was the Oxford hack. And even here with wow. the Uber, some people are saying, oh, it's a teenager that's behind all of this. So they're just trying to make it, you know, appear. Does, does it matter though? I mean, like if, even if it is a teenager, he's, he's whooping everybody's butt. You got to He, the one guy, Sean, Sean, uh, he, he actually had a nice statement, which said, we need to look at detection prevention and response, which is right. Um, yeah. So have to look at identifying. I think that we're, we're mm -hmm. lacking, we're lacking in all four of those areas. And if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, that's the NIST framework. You identify, you detect, you prevent, you respond. Um, the bulk of the recover while we're at it. Respond <laughs> and recover. Yeah. to that as well. Yeah. The response is yeah. in the recovery. So the, the bulk of the budget today is on prevention, which I would agree. People are buying MFA. People are buying endpoint protection. They're, they're preventing, but they're not identifying and detecting very well. Um, and that he believes looking forward, more money will be spent on response. And I think I agree with that too, because what's driving that is cyber insurance companies, right? So we're missing the first two pieces of identify, right? And, and, det and detect, and that's a big problem too. Um, you got to do all four of them. And that's really the bottom line. And if you don't know what, what I'm talking about, reach out to one of us. We would love to, uh, educate you on, identifying, detecting, preventing, and responding. Right, Randy? Hmm. Randy, are you doing work? No, no, I was actually, <laughs> um, I chatted my company uh, in our company chat that what we were talking about. And um, and then I asked, um, I said, top of the morning to you, please send me gift cards. Because uh, you know, we uh, always notice that we've got our own little, uh, you know, our, our own lingo, if you will. Right. And you know what? What's that going to look like if somebody impersonated me? Right. So and I'm just laughing at some of the responses that I got from, from my coworkers. That's funny. I need to tell you we're up to something. That's why I asked the question. You <laughs> looked like you were, you looked like you were uh, either writing me an email to tell me off that I talk too much or no, no, <laughs> doing no, no. that. No. Um, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the thing that we were talking about right before we were talking about this. And that's when I put the chat over there. Uh, it was when we were talking about it and I started getting the responses. So, but anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so we, we decided, and we'll wrap about this for a little bit. We're about 39 minutes in and we decided our green room conversation should be the show, right? Randy said you should hit record, right? And what we were talking about were conversations around uh, password changing and, and, um, uh, single sign-on, which is basically, you know, two-factor in a box where you, once you log in somewhere, you're basically logged into a bunch of different places. The idea here is, is that you can log in easier. It's easier to get to things that all share the same login source to verify or authenticate you. Um, and 
we were asking each other our opinions and I'll just start off by saying, you know, I brought, I started the discussion by saying that I follow a lot of people on social media for, you know, that are in cybersecurity and stuff. And there's a camp out there that thinks that like, you know, changing your password is kind of old school, you know, uh, there's actually some people who think that you shouldn't even be in cybersecurity if you think that you still need to be changing your password. He, he took um, that, that comment personally, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm for, I told you guys, I'm one of those people. You should be changing your freaking password. Like, it's that simple. You don't know when your password's going to end up on the dark web. So the best thing you can do is just constantly rotate through and change it, and you don't have to worry about being exposed on the dark web. Like, that's how I look at it. Now, look, I'll caveat it with one thing. If you're using a password manager and you're having a password generated that's totally random and you're changing it to a totally random thing that's completely different the next time, that's the way I do it. That's the way you should do it. But if you're just changing your password to like, you know, Sally123 and the next time it's Sally123 exclamation point and the next time it's Sally123 question mark, well, then you should probably not change your password because as a cyber criminal, I can figure that out pretty quickly mm -hmm. um, and get into your stuff. So, you know, <clears throat> I just look at password changes and I give people a little bit more credit, I guess, and think that people are not doing that. But I you know, maybe the majority of people are and I'm just naive thinking that people are, you know, actually aware that you should do that anymore. Um but that's about it. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this? We got into a pretty good discussion about it. And, you know, do you guys agree with me? That's how you should be changing your passwords as long as you're kind of following those rules? Or do you think, you know, with, you know, it's a waste of time? And, and my comment to this was it depends on the audience that you're speaking of. You know, right. talking to people like us, absolutely, I 100% agree. I, I think really where the mentality comes from and, and the, the comment that you were responding to was, was, you know, just kind of out of place in the first place. But um, you know, when, when you're talking about end users, that's that's the struggle is, is because that was the pattern that, that was developing was they, they would have a password and then they would add, you know, uh, you know, seeing people who just added like the year to the end of it and then they had to change a password. So they changed the year, they changed the month and it was really, really predictable. So it became apparent, you know, have a tougher password and don't change it all the time. And, you know, make sure we have MFA and make sure that we have reporting and, and logging and that we're, we're constantly monitoring for these things and checking the dark web for these, these comments. Overall, that's going to be safer than, you know, having, you know, Sally just add a month to the end of her password every time. Um, for things that are more secure, you know, admin accounts, uh, things like that, where, you know, an IT professional is handling things and using things like a password manager to do that and, and has tools to, to rotate passwords, absolutely 100% agree with you. Yeah. You know, the challenge is, as cybersecurity people is protecting people from themselves. Right. Well, when stuff like that comes out in the news, like, oh, you shouldn't change your password anymore. Then you get clients sending you links to like, hey, why are we still changing our password? Look at this. And it's like, ugh. it's like there's too many opinions out there. It's an unregulated industry. You know, most standards that I know of, most frameworks that I know of have a control saying, do you have a password rotation policy? You know, that means you're changing your password. Um, where this whole thing came from, I think M Microsoft actually did it many years ago by saying they were going to go to a passwordless system because passwords were irrelevant. Um, and they're still struggling to get that off the ground. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they I haven't even I, changed their default setup to, to abide by that. Well, I and and, and the other, I saw I did see another tweet the other day from a, a guy Kevin Beaumont. Um, I think he said the next time that Microsoft tells you you know passwords are dead, ask ask Microsoft you know where they what they're using to log in. Like ask ask a Microsoft employee what they're actually using the law. Oh, I saw that it was the the, the FIDO two thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yep, and yeah, I guarantee you they're not using FIDO two to log into their stuff. Um, so you know that, and then we talked, to, and then we went into this discussion about single sign on and would you trust it? So um, single sign on is simply like I said, it's an easy way to get logged into various things and. There's going to be a lot of vendors who are vying for, you know, the supremacy of the single sign-on, like who who will be the single sign-on provider that, you know, will probably all get hacked by one day. Until they get hacked and then. Right, right. Yeah, that's 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 the the question, right? Is, right. It's, it's, it's a matter of convenience. So you can use your Microsoft account to sign into, you know, Microsoft and then this and then this and then this. And you only have to remember that one thing. But then what happens if that credential gets breached? And, you know, what happens if, if Microsoft gets breached and then they can see what it's all tied into? Um, you know, so I, that's one of those debates where I can kind of see both sides. Um you know, there's pros and cons on on each side, but you know what what's the answer here? Well, the I'm, other cap. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were done. Nope. Yeah, the, uh, the only the other caveat to that is you have to think logically through what signs into what, mm-hmm. especially if you're using like conditional access. Conditional access means, for example, using um, a limited set of IP addresses to allow logins. Okay, so if you have that set on 365 and then you have single sign-on set using 365, but you can't get into 365 because you're at a new IP address for some reason, then you can't get into all the other things. So you have to logically think through, like, what do you need to get into what, to get into what, to get into what? And you have to be very careful. It has to be very rock solid logically or you'll end up locking yourself out of everything. Yeah, just like, like Uber did. Just like my, Uber did that. You could tell mm-hmm. by that article. My rule of thumb is if it's something that makes something easier, it's probably not the most secure way of doing it. Right. Right. That's not always the case, but but more often than not, that's the case. And that's kind of how I, I look at single sign. Convenience and security are like oil and water. Yes. That's simple. Yeah, I read one time it t- the average person enters spends 48 minutes a month entering a password or resetting a password mm-hmm. and and i'll go i'll take that a little bit further with my comment you know i've been in it for a very long time i watch it mature from the, the late 90s where basically if you could turn on a computer you could basically get a job doing anything you could become like some kind of like a programmer or whatever mm-hmm. if you just knew a little bit right um, to fast forward five years, and then you have people who are specialized in programming, networking, and, and that all you know got specialized. And now we're in this place where IT and cybersecurity are kind of mixed together. And I don't think that that's going to be how it is in the future, because like I said, convenience and security are like oil and water. And I look at cybersecurity and IT the same way. They're oil and water because IT's job is to make shit go. Mm-hmm. Security's job is to make thing is to protect 
sensitive assets, sensitive data. And the two things don't mix together. Like IT guys, their job is to make the car go and go fast. Security mm -hmm. guys do not think like that. They do not operate like that. So it's a different set of individuals and you can't have the IT guy responsible for security. You just can't. And, and to that point, like, you know, one of the comments that really got me thinking about this a while back was uh, a person was telling me he loves single sign-on because, you know, if somebody leaves his company, he only has to disable one login and he, he's cleared it out. I'm just thinking, well, what about the other way around? What if somebody gets in and now they've got access to everything, you know, with that one login as well? So, right, right. And, and just the other thing, too, like all the trust that goes on with devices once you authenticate, how long does that access remain? You know what I mean? It's like you lose control of a lot of the things with this stuff. So, uh, you know, people, again, we're, 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 we're putting out toys or shining objects to people who just don't know what they're, they're getting into. Um, the education process around this is, is God, man, I mean, you, you compare it to like cars, right? Or, or guns. Like you have to go through a process. You have to be trained to use them. We might be there with technology. You know, like you have to be a certain age. You have to go through certain training. You have to take a test to know how. I think how we need to be there. At the, I mean, I, I'm, I'm dealing with something for, for a prospect right now. Um, and they got a letter from the IT company of this, this other company. Um, and like just, the, the the way that they worded this, they were so 100% sure of what they were saying. And then I looked at it for like half a second. I was like, what are you talking about? This Like they're trying to pin a business email compromise on the on the on my, my prospect here uh, when it was clear by, you know, even the evidence that they sent, you know, that supposedly proved their point that, you know, somebody's in your system, but you, you guys need to watch out. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, they sent header information and it was like, you know, it, it reminded me of some of those, you know, Microsoft callers where they, they call and they, they walk you through some logs that look confusing and say, this, this shows that you've been hacked. Mm -hmm. you know, that's not what this shows. And they were so sure about themselves. And, and didn't we have an um, uh, episode a couple of months ago with, um, I think it was Okta, which is a single sign-on provider and they got hacked. It was only like a right. small percentage of their customers, but still. Right. And Twilio and Authy got hit too. So that's yep. you know, <laughs> an authenticator app. Yep. Yeah. So sorry we didn't bring any good news today, folks, but <laughs> we brought you we brought you the goods. That's I don't sure. know that we usually do. I don't think that's why people yeah, come here. No, we're all flutters here. <laughs> we're all flutters. Um, no, we're educators and evangelists. As we say. You know, this education process is not fun, right? I, I got to imagine that there was a point in time where, I mean, car vehicle driver's licenses didn't come out before the car. Mm -hmm. Car came out before licenses. So I got to imagine there's a reason like, hey, we probably need to like make people get trained and take a test and, you know, give them some a license to use these things um, because certain things were happening, right? And I think we might be in a similar space. Like it blows my mind to think that you would have to be licensed to like get on the internet or use technology, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree where that's going, but it just seems logical to me that that's where humanity is going to go. 
I think probably the majority of people would agree. I think the problem is, is that the majority of people also disagree on how to do that and what criteria to use to do it. Or is it going to be a hell of a hurdle to get over? Are there, are there too many cars on the road to even try to open that? <laughs> Have we passed that window of opportunity? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to prevent somebody from getting on the internet? This, you know, this up, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just real quick, I, I think it's going to be another one of those things where kind of like what we're just seeing with with uh, you know getting businesses to invest in cybersecurity. I, I think it's going to be something that's uh, ultimately insurance driven. You know, but you were talking about you know uh, people getting sued for breaches and stuff like that. I think we're going to start seeing more situations yeah. where uh, providers are getting getting sued for not providing proper uh, guidance. Well, that's one way you could do it. You could just force every business. Like I have to have workman's comp to operate in the state of New Jersey. They'll just be like, Hey, you got to have cyber insurance. And you don't think the cyber insurance companies are, are lobbying for that. Mm-hmm. Matt, cyber insurance. Yeah. I, I think they need it. I mean, the, the biggest problem right there is the, the lack of predictability. So, you know, right. they, they can't come up with a, a, a business model that works because it's so unpredictable right now. Because right. It's the wild west. Right. So that means we got to start now for the metaverse, right? We got to start creating some courses or requirement in order to join the metaverse. Nice. I mean, the the curve that we're on technology advancement wise, I mean, this is just going to get more and more complicated exponentially. So like the longer we wait, the the worse it's going to be. I was going to say as a solution, you're probably going to hear people offer I, in fact, you already are hearing it some, and there's been an outrage against it, but you've heard, you've, I've heard of people offering to store your biometrics in the cloud. So instead of, instead of authenticating who you are, putting your fingerprint on it, your fingerprint's tied to your computer, it's not stored in the cloud, um, actually taking that fingerprint and putting it in the cloud, and my word on that is we should resist that because of how horrible everybody is about Handling the data that's in the cloud. You know, we talk about all these breaches. It just means your biometrics will get breached. What a nightmare that would be. It already already exists. I work for a lot of um, uh, buildings, and they have access control where they have that, and it's all cloud-based now. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yikes. Well, we're bringing you the good news. So thanks, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Please remember, share and like the show wherever you see us, uh, podcast platform or social media. See you all next week. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. See you.